0: Alright, how we doing everybody? I'm your host Will Reddington and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Austin Biggett is here for updates on UK and L football, a breakdown of NFL Week 6, AB stat corner, tough scene, NFL Week 7 picks, and much, much more. And Lexi Browning returns for Bachelor Red Talk Week 2. We talk one of the worst episodes in television history. Before we do, our show is brought to you by thrive fantasy sports promo code red with two d's for a twenty dollar bonus on your first deposit thrive has hundreds of nfl contests going on this weekend go check it out today anywhere you can get apps all right let's get it going all right austin we are back another weekend of sports in the books another louisville cardinal loss much closer this time Uh, nfl week six has come and gone but we have to start with your kentucky wildcats they win in knoxville against the tennessee volunteers for the first time since 1984 10 years before you were even a person how did that feel
1: yeah, it was awesome. It was almost like a little surprising. I, I thought Kentucky had a good chance coming into this game. I definitely didn't expect a 34-7 to 7 route that it turned into. Glad I didn't have to sweat it for once, but yeah, uh, 34 years is a long time, and hopefully we don't ever go that long without beating anybody ever again.
0: Yeah, especially somebody like Tennessee, who's not one of the top-tier SEC programs from year to year. But this Kentucky defense is as good as we've seen in college football so far. They have like five or six guys that always seem like they're flying around the ball, and now you're getting those game-changing plays. And possibly the craziest stat in college football going around right now is that Kentucky has, what, nine interceptions and has given up nine points between their last two games? I don't know if I've ever heard anything like that.
1: Definitely haven't heard anything about that either, and this game started off with two pick-sixes. Basically spotted as a 14-0 lead. That that was huge. Our offense really didn't have to do anything. So, yeah, if the defense keeps playing this good, I expect us to be in every game besides maybe the Georgias of the world and all that. But, yeah, it, it's kind of weird looking back at the Ole Miss game, seeing – I know Ole Miss is kind of like that, uh, offensive juggernaut, but Arkansas just shut them down. It's kind of weird to see what happened to the Kentucky defense in that game because they've played good in every other game. even Even the Auburn game, the defense played pretty good. The offense just couldn't do anything.
0: It's been so hard to figure out because Kentucky's defense looked like a weakness and their offense looked like a strength against Ole Miss, and then that has completely flipped. Kentucky's had two really good wins over the last two weeks, but the offense still—I don't feel like has got it rolling. I think that's fair to say. Uh, Terry Wilson, I- I'd like to talk to you about him. It's—I uh, feel like every Kentucky fan has a drastically different point of view on Terry Wilson. He's fourteen and five as a Kentucky starter, which. I don't have a stat on I would assume it's like the one of the best of my lifetime for a Kentucky quarterback he's the only one that's won at Florida and at Tennessee for sure what are your thoughts on Terry because I, I watch it and I feel like he could be a lot better out there he runs out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage a little a little too much I think I don't really understand that but he gets it done
1: yes yeah, so I'm, I'm somewhere in between on Terry Wilson I don't think he's the worst quarterback of all time, like some Kentucky fans. And I definitely I don't think he's very uh, an elite quarterback by any means. What just makes me mad is just the play calling and the, the, you can tell the offensive coordinator and Stoops and whoever else, they don't trust him to throw the ball down the field. So it's hard to know how good he actually is or how accurate he is down the field, because we don't do it very often. We were running the ball every play and throwing these little two yard check downs. And then they started letting him throw them a little bit on one drive and they moved right down the field. So, I don't know. I just don't know how you can start a quarterback if you don't trust him to be able to make the plays. So I, I don't really know. I know everybody's calling for Gatewood, but as long as we're winning, I'm sure Terry will submit. like He was 12 for 15, but he only had 101 yards. So it's not like he's crazy and accurate. They just won't let him throw the ball down the field. So I'm, I'm more against the play calling than against Terry himself.
0: Very fair, very fair. They head to Missouri this weekend to play the Missouri Tigers, coming off a improbable victory against the LSU Tigers, which was feels like forever ago now. It's two weeks. Missouri's coming off a bye. They've had plenty of time to prepare for this Kentucky offense, the Kentucky defense. Kentucky goes in there as a a five-and-a-half-point favorite despite Missouri's rest. Uh, The total's set at 47. Missouri scored 45 against LSU, and we know LSU's defense is obviously pretty bad. LSU gave up 44 to Mississippi State. Kentucky gave up one layup. So, uh, what are you thinking? How do you think that game goes?
1: It's hard to um, really know how Missouri is because their only win is over LSU. And no offense to you, but I don't know how good LSU is this year. And yeah, it's fine. They haven't played in two weeks, but just using the transitive pop property that never works, they just lost to Tennessee by 23. So, you would think that we can, you would think we'd be able to beat them considering what we just did at Tennessee's offense. They got up 35 points to Tennessee's offense. So, I expect another. Um, another good effort from the defense. I don't think that Missouri is going to be able to score very many points on us and uh offense just takes care of the ball. doesn't turn it over. I think we can win and probably cover the number as well. Uh, I would like to hope.
0: Yeah, that's very fair. I have no opinion on this game. I would like to opt out of giving a pick. Louisville, Notre Dame, the most watched football game of the weekend over Alabama and Georgia. America was in for an absolute doozy. Final score, 12 to 7. I'm at a bachelor party. I miss a lot of the game. I came home and watched the condensed game like three times trying to understand what happened in South Bend on Saturday afternoon. I still really don't. Would you like to try to explain it to me?
1: Um, yeah, well, it was a very, very boring game. It's kind of got to be frustrating for Louisville fans. Their defense finally shows up and they score, what, seven points, 12-7 final score. So, I mean, they played They played very, really good against Notre Dame. I think this Notre Dame team is a little overrated. I definitely don't think they're the fourth best team in the country. If they are, then football's very down this year. But no No disrespect to Louisville, though. I mean, they went into Notre Dame and played as good as you could. You told me before the game that they held them to 12 points. I'm probably throwing it all on Louisville money line. but. Uh, just frustrating for cards fans and people that watch the game in general. Louisville had their chances, just couldn't get it done. But I mean, you gotta like what you saw from the defense.
0: Yeah, there are some positives to find in this game, and I still stand by the point. Like Louisville's got a few really good players to go out there and make plays, but the the depth is not net, not at an ACC level. I think this game spoke more to Notre Dame's flaws versus Louisville's strengths. Louisville's a really tough team, tough team to figure out. You got the Miami game, the defense was horrible. The offense was competent. They lose. You got the Pittsburgh game. The defense gave up zero points for three quarters. The offense couldn't move the ball. They lose. You got the Georgia Tech game. The offense kind of hangs in there. Defense gets 46, hung on them by Georgia Tech, who lost 73 to 7 this past week. They lose. Then you got the Notre Dame game. They can't score. But they stop Notre Dame almost every time they have the ball. They're really, really sticky in the red zone, like holding Notre Dame to field goals early. It, it's just kind of yin and yang, but no matter what, it always ends in a loss. Louisville having no turnovers in that game and only scoring seven points. And you saw a ton of the punter. The punter is solid. There's a positive for you, Louisville fans, but... First and second down, Louisville's offense is just so bad. They just hand the ball to Hawkins and lose four yards immediately. We're in so many third and 17s, but the schedule goes on. Florida State comes to Louisville this weekend. Spread opened up at Louisville, favored by nine and a half. Makes no sense. Florida State has two victories now on the year. The last one coming against... Uh, Number five, North Carolina, maybe more like 45. I know that's a sore subject for you, and you really don't like North Carolina after what they did in Tallahassee on Saturday night. But that spread has been bet down to five now. Louisville's a five-point favorite, Florida State coming to Louisville. Jordan Travis, Louisville fans may remember as the little number six we tried at quarterback during our drastically failing year of 2018. He is now Florida State's starter. He He looks bigger. He looks a little better. He ran for over 100 yards against North Carolina. What are you expecting out of that matchup?
1: Um, yeah, so not a fan of North Carolina after what they did. It got to take in the uh, revenge factor for Florida State, who has looked a lot better since Jordan Travis took over. Even in the uh, second half of the Notre Dame game, they ended up losing by 16. But the offense just looked way better once he checked in. And I think they're going to score some points. But, yeah, this, this spread's already moved down to, what is it now, four and a half it's already been cut in half, basically. I definitely think that that minus nine was a little generous, but yeah, uh, I, I expect Louisville to win. But I kind of expect him winning against Georgia Tech too, and that didn't go so good. So I, I don't really know what to expect, honestly, because I don't, I don't think Florida State is as good as they showed against North Carolina, and I don't think Louisville is as bad as they showed against Georgia Tech. So if if Louisville can even roll, roll over some of the momentum for that defense defensive effort against Notre Dame. I think they can get it done here but I'd be a little worried with the that spread yeah from a gambling
0: perspective it's pretty simple if you like Florida State that makes a ton of sense you should bet on him if you like Louisville you should just pray you should just watch <laughs> the game and pray like there's no reason to wager your hard-earned money on anything that Louisville's done still even after the easy cover against Notre Dame and, you know Louisville hurt me a little bit this weekend I I bet on Notre Dame first half minus nine and a half and they're about to kick a field goal to go up nine. What was that I'm, call. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to go up nine. We're going to lose. It's over. Let's go to the moonshine tasting. Life's meaningless. And then they fake it. And me and all my brothers that are all on Notre Dame first half, nine and a half, are up. And we're like, oh, my God, we faked it. We did it. And we get stopped a yard short. Pretty depressing. Uh, Notre Dame's fair by 11 at, at Pittsburgh this weekend. Won't be uh, throwing them in any teasers or anything. I don't think Notre Dame is very good. But Clemson, they were my lock of the week. We didn't do a podcast, but at the bachelor party, I'm telling everybody Clemson by 26 and a half Georgia tech is horrible. They're putting stock in them because they beat Louisville. It means nothing. None of these ACC wins against anybody mean anything because Clemson is a completely different beast. They win 73 to seven Austin. Their punter got a drive at quarterback to end that game. That's so disrespectful. They legitimately put their punter in to complete a pass to Davos Swinney's son, their head coach, on the last drive. He went two of three passing against Georgia Tech this past weekend. My question to you is, we get that Alabama-Georgia game on Saturday night. It's awesome. It's kind of like college football is really back there when you see two teams of that caliber. Georgia hangs in there with them, but then Alabama pulls away. They have the two best receivers in college football. With Waddle and Devontae Smith, they both are 1-2 and two in the NCAA in yards after the catch. Is anything stopping this Alabama-Clemson matchup?
1: I never don't think anything's stopping Clemson from getting there. Uh, they look as good as they have in this little mini-Clemson dynasty, and their schedule's just as weak as it always is. They go to Notre Dame in three weeks, but we just talked about it. We don't think they're even very good, so I'll be interested to see what that spread is and probably be taking Clemson in that game, but... Other than that, they have Syracuse, who just got destroyed by Liberty. Boston College, who can't score the ball. Um, Florida State, Pittsburgh, and Virginia Tech. So you expect Clemson to go undefeated and not even really win any of those games by less than double digits. And uh, as far as Alabama goes, I think they're they're a little vulnerable. I definitely think they make the playoffs. But their defense seems to be maybe the worst it's been in the past five, ten years. I know there's a lot of time to improve it, and they had – a decent effort against Georgia, but one of those picks in the red zone was pretty lucky. off a tip pass. And um, yeah, they, you would, you would, you would like to think that L- at LSU game would be a good one, but that doesn't look like the case anymore. No, they gotta definitely the, not. They got to play the cats. I'm just kidding. They're going to, they're going to kill us too. So you you like to think Bama gets to the playoff and I don't know who is the, this fourth playoff spot. I think it's going to get weird this year. Yeah, I do,
0: too, because, I mean, you're still looking at Notre Dame. They literally looked at what Notre Dame just did against Louisville, and they thought, man, we got to move you guys up a spot. Now, also, four, we got to get you to three.
1: We haven't even seen Ohio State play yet, who might be the best team in the country, or at least in the top two, maybe. So we'll see what Ohio State looks like in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, I think that fourth spot's going to get, like, really weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, think Georgia is good enough to run the table still after they already lost to Bama. Florida already has a loss. So you kind of eliminate maybe the second team out of the SEC, which is kind of usually like the fallback option for most teams. And then the Big Ten, nobody's played yet. You think Ohio State's going to get there, but nobody else really scares you coming out. And ACC's not getting another team, so. Yeah. I would personally say it still is going to
0: be that that (laughs) second-best SEC team. Uh, You see these new rankings come out. They sprinkle in these uh, 0-0 and Big Ten and Pac-12 teams. It makes sense they did have to do that. But you have Ohio State at minus 300 to win the Big Ten. There really isn't another competitor out there. I mean, I think Minnesota, Wisconsin— second best team in that conference I don't think we're gonna see much from Michigan this year uh the Pac-12 their highest ranked team I believe is Oregon ranked 13th you do have Penn State also in the Big Ten I should say they're ranked eighth I don't know if I'm buying them but Ohio State and Penn State are those two teams you have to look out for in terms of the playoff going forward that haven't played yet but yeah I think it ends up being Florida or Georgia Uh, we'll see I think Alabama and Regardless of Alabama's defensive weaknesses, I think it's similar to LSU last year. That was the one weakness people wanted to find in that 2019 LSU team. Didn't end up being a big deal because they're just that much better than everybody they played, except for Clemson. I think if they play Clemson National Championship 10 times, each team probably wins five. Let's go to the NFL, though. I, I want to start this off with, with the bad, as we usually do. Uh, the New York Jets, they might be the worst team of all time. They're 0 6, they're 0 6 against the spread. Uh, what did they score this past week, zero or three? Did they end up getting in there for three?
1: I uh, think they got yeah, they got zero because the Dolphins pitched the first shutout of the NFL season.
0: Ah man, I really thought they were going to get in there for three, but the Jets, uh, they've lost their first six games last year. On this podcast, we did a lot of uh, are you going to cut your pinky off and stuff. We're not even going to do that to Trey. He's abandoned franchise. Uh, <laughs> this Jets team, they traded their highest paid player, Le'Veon Bell. Their highest paid defensive player, Mosley, he opted out. I feel like they have to just kind of tank for Trevor Lawrence. Now they're in the driver's seat. No other team is winless. What are you thinking about what the jets are putting out there?
1: Yeah. So this is probably a recency bias, which I, I me and a lot of other people get caught up with all the time, especially in sports. But I think this might be the worst team of all time. I mean, the the Browns from a few years ago when they went on 16, there was four or five games where they were kind of in it in the fourth quarter. And the last game of the year, I think it was against the Steelers. They almost won. I think they, had a failed fourth down conversion that would have won the game if they would have got it. So and yeah, I mean they have the worst coach in the league by far. They trade, they let Le'Veon Bell go. They traded Jamal Adams for the season starter. Like you said, Mosley opted out. There's just not a lot of guys that you know out there. Darnold's not even playing right now. Joe Flacco just took a 28 yard sack, one one yard short of the record for longest sack in NFL history,
0: 21st uh, all time in passing yards.
1: Yeah, that just shows you how much the NFL has changed.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell from watching that game.
1: Yeah, he has been washed for five or six years now. But uh, yeah, I I think this is definitely the worst team we've ever seen. I think that the only one you can even compare them to is that Lions team like 10 years ago, because I can only name like four people that were on that team. Um, Yeah, they're really bad. And I think at this point, they are literally keeping Adam Gase because they're trying to tank for Trevor, because they saw what the Falcons did with Dan Quinn, and they come out and win a game by 20 after as soon as they fired their incompetent coach. So, yeah, maybe they think if they fire Gase, maybe they uh, play a little rejuvenated ball and win one or two games. Can't and do don't that. Get the top pick. Yeah, definitely not the year that you want to end up winning a game or two late to make your draft pick a little worse. Uh, I hope for Trevor Lawrence's sake that he doesn't end up on the Jets, because that doesn't seem like a franchise that will ever be good. So I guess we'll see how it goes, but they're just tough to watch. 0-6 against the spread as well, not even coming close in these games.
0: Yep, they're really bad. The only other team that can say that is the Dallas Cowboys, who are also really bad. Austin, most impressive and most disappointing teams through six weeks. Who you got?
1: My most impressive, um, we kind of talked about this before the season started. You weren't really in on them. I kind of said I liked them. The Steelers, uh, Big Ben, He is not prime Big Ben anymore, but he's – He's good enough to get put some points on the board. He still knows the mental aspect of the ball. Juju not putting up crazy numbers, and they're still kind of rolling. Uh, Claypool is, looks like another great Steelers wide receiver find. They do that every year, it seems like. Defense, one of the best in the league. They're 5-0, and oh, and they just destroyed the Browns, who are still the Browns, it turns out. So I'm, I'm really impressed with the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: Yeah, very fair. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I do like the Titans in that game. Uh, the Steelers have kind of beaten up on some bad teams they lose Devin Bush one of their best defensive players a season-ending injury that was like the huge negative side of that win they got against the Browns but it was awfully dominant a really big gap between these Steelers and the Ravens and the Browns and Bengals and the AFC North but the the Titans have been great they win that absolute classic with the Texans on Sunday it goes to overtime They, they go through the whole COVID thing there's all these videos going around of things that Mike Vrabel did during the game that you don't see a lot of coaches do. And uh, yeah, the Titans are a really impressive team. That's going to be a great game from teams that have absolutely exceeded expectations. But I will take the Titans in that one. Uh, Most disappointing. What do you think?
1: Obviously, the the clear choice is the Cowboys. I mean, they were Super Bowl contenders, I guess, if you want to count Vegas odds as contenders before the season started. But I'm sure we'll get to them later, and everyone knows that. So for a team that's, Above 500, but still looks disappointing. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. They lost to the Raiders and the Packers. They were down 17 to the Chargers. Just came back to win that game. Almost blew a huge lead against the Lions late. And this team was supposed to be the best team in the NFC on paper. Drew Brees doesn't really look like himself anymore. Um, he's played a little better since the first couple weeks, but I still don't trust him to make the big throw down the field. They haven't had Mike Thomas basically since the first half of the first game. So this might change a little bit. But as of now, I'm going to go with the three and two Saints. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, the it is it is the Cowboys. Cowboys are just an embarrassment this season. Uh, it, We'll get into it later, as you said. But yeah, the Saints, they've had a week to get right. They're on a bye this week. They're going to host the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. They're a seven and a half point favorite against Teddy Bridgewater, who – the Panthers and the Bears, they played a really tight game. The Bears end up winning it. It could have been a matchup thing, but the Panthers had chances to win that game. They're getting seven and a half. Teddy going to play his former team. I think this weekend will tell us what we need to know about the Saints because the Panthers have a really good defense and not so great offense. The McCaffrey thing is still looming, but the Saints have had a week now to get Michael Thomas healthy, to get right, to get these Taysom Hill bull plays out of the playbook. We'll see what they do. We're going to find out 430 on Sunday. We're at Roosters. I'm a little tired. You know, I got up at 5 a.m. from Gatlinburg to drive home because I just want it more. I want to be at Roosters, but I'm crashing a little bit. I need a nap. You know, I'm not Superman. Uh, I wake up from my nap. It's like 4.30, and I'm like, oh, man, so much football to watch. Let's go. You got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers and then the Jets playing the Dolphins. I got a lot of money on the Dolphins by eight and a half, so that was really fun. But the Packers and the bucks such a weird game. Packers go up 10-0. Rodgers basically two back-to-back pick sixes one didn't score they scored shortly after the bucks look fantastic and this was a really impressive victory from them they go on a 38, 38 to zero run to end the game they end up winning 38 to 10 do you think tampa bay is legit
1: i do think they're legit as far as can going to be there at the end going to be in the playoffs obviously going to be a tough team to beat as anybody else but uh, i still need to see more from their offense their defense kind of like you said got them 14 points and then after that, Brady did move the ball a little bit, but they Mike Evans only had one catch. Godwin doesn't really look like he's all the way back yet. Gronk showed up, which is nice for them. Gronk finally came out of retirement uh, Sunday, so yeah, I definitely think they're going to not going to be a team you want to see in the playoffs. But uh, they are they they still have a little ways to improve on offense, and that'll happen throughout the season as Brady gets to gel with these guys more. But I will say they're better than I thought they were going to be coming in the season. I thought they were a little overhyped and. After Sunday, it looks like they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFC. But still a little way to go from that offense, but their defense is probably the most underrated unit in football, I would say. They were really good last year, but it kind of got overshadowed because Jamie's kept putting them in horrible spots in their own red zone and stuff. So, yeah, I I wouldn't want to see Tampa in the playoffs for sure.
0: That defense is really tough. They're first in the NFL in terms of coverage with their DBs and they're second in pass rush. And that is a killer for teams that want to pass the ball. And then you got Aaron Jones, who ran for like 23 yards this past week. The Packers have looked great, and the Bucs just absolutely dominated them. And to your point, you know, Gronk finally gets in there. Godwin's back in the lineup. Brady's already doing the thing where he's finding receivers on their team that you didn't even know they rostered. Like number 18, Johnson, gets in there for a touchdown. So I really like the Bucs. It's weird, though. You would have thought 38 points. Man, Tom Brady must be back. He must be rolling. It really wasn't like that. It was a lot of Ronald Jones, a lot of that defense. Penalties have killed that team in the past. They committed zero penalties on Sunday. Just an absolutely dominant performance. Um, now, let's let's jump in. I, I gave you a little segment today because you have all these cool stats. So we're going to do the A-B stat corner. So I want you to give me one cool stat. You can do whatever you want with this.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of cool stats from the NFL, like always, from after week six. So, the, like we already mentioned, the Cowboys and the Jets were 0-6 against the spread. The longest against the spread losing streak start season is 0-8 by the 1991 Bengals and the 2003 Raiders, and the Jets are plus 10 to 12, whatever it is now, against the Bills in Week 7. Bills are coming off two straight losses. Got to think they're going to be trying to get a get-right game. And then the Jets got the Chiefs in Week 8, which they're probably going to be about, what, minus 20 against the Jets, so... We'll see if the Jets can get there um, to 0-8. The Cowboys get the Redskins, and they're actually minus one right now against the football team. I don't think anybody would have thought that coming into the season or even a couple weeks ago. So we'll see if any of those teams can get to 0-8 and possibly take the title of worst team against the spread of all time. That's a um, cool
0: one. That'll be, uh, that like makes it scary. You know, it hasn't been yeah. scary betting on the Jets, betting against the Jets or betting against the Cowboys so far if you've been doing that. But that does make it scary. I mean, you're talking about what, 1991 and 2003? It's a long time.
1: Yeah. And you got to, you got to think these lines will, like we talked about it before we came on. The overs were going crazy in the first four weeks and the bookmakers adjusted, raised every game about five to six points. And now unders went 10 and four in week six so you got to think that they're going to adjust and these jets lines are just going to be crazy i think the biggest spread ever was the 2013 broncos team that was minus 25 and a half against that jaguars team that was a horrible team and the jaguars ended up covering and honestly we're kind of in the game till the third quarter of that game so it'll be interesting to see what that chiefs jets line is i mean it has to be over three touchdowns and i don't i don't know how you can take the jets still at that point
0: yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to take the bills, you know, spoiler I'm, yeah, I'm try history yeah. which uh, usually doesn't work. Uh, do you have anything else?
1: Total wins by division so far. NFC West has 16, AFC North 15, NFC North 12, AFC Southwest and NFC South 11, AFC East 10 and NFC East has 5 total wins. We are looking at the worst division in the history of football.
0: Yeah, I guess we are. And, you know, I've already said I took the Cowboys to win the NFC East, start the season. I already hedged it with the Eagles. We're going to break even there. But good Lord. I mean, it starts to feel the Eagles lose like every week. And for whatever reason, they lose. And I'm like, nice hedge. will Eagles, they were kind of in that game. They're for sure winning that division. But. We really don't know. I mean, the, the Giants come out and beat the Eagles on Thursday night. Eagles are really banged up. That spread's gone from six to three and a half on the Thursday night game. And the Giants are kind of back in this picture with two wins somehow. And the football team, they haven't won since week one. They've looked horrible. But, I mean, you can't take Andy Dalton against them, right? I mean, they, they look like a pitiful bunch. And th- that's going to take us into the tough scene segment of our show where the first one is going to be this nameless Cowboys fan that was captured Last night, uh, I believe you tweeted right after and you're like, man, poor guy doesn't even know he's a meme yet. He is. But he was in a situation that basically all men a time or two have been in where you went to a game with maybe some energy and you felt like it was going to go some sort of way. or Maybe you just love your team. You know, you, you work hard to get to that game. And he's in the gorgeous Death Star ATT Stadium, best stadium I've ever been in. He's in there to watch his team on Monday Night Football. It didn't get much better. They're down 31 to three and you see his girl kind of like kissed him on the cheek. Like, it's okay, honey. You still have me. And he's like, you know, no, like, I, no, the season's it's over. not okay. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's not going to be okay. This is what I want to hear right now. But uh, yeah, we'll start with him. uh, Dallas Cowboys fan. Really tough scene. Also, Mike McCarthy. Just throw him out there as well. He said they were the most prepared that they've been so far for the game, which is just a wild thing to say to the media, even if you truly believe that after losing 38 to 10 to the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, then the players have all come out and, you know, they're all nameless. Who knows if this is even true? But they've said that, like, they've never seen a coaching staff, like, have as little of an idea of what's going on than they have with this 2020 Cowboys team. And it, it really... You know, it it makes you think like this Jason Garrett thing. They hated him for a long time. But, you know, it's for all these guys that are in these relationships and maybe they're not going well. They just always think the grass is greener. Like, man, if I was single, I'd be tearing it up. I'd have all these hot girls. My girlfriend would be so hot and so nice and so fun. It's like, hey, you know, maybe sometimes you get what you get and the grass is not always greener out there. It doesn't always work. Sometimes you can find that new girl. But it's starting to look like Jason Garrett might have somehow been the healthier
1: relationship. Yeah, the grass is not always greener, and at some point, its I mean, it's on Jerry Jones. I mean, he's the one that makes all the decisions. He's the one that gives all these contracts out. So I'm going to stick – for my first tough scene, I'm going to stick with the Cowboys thing, and I'm going to say that Jerry Jones' checkbook gets a tough scene for him. Uh, I think Dak made more money last night than he could have ever made on the field because th- they paid Andy Dalton $3 million a year, which is very solid for Andy Dalton to be your backup. Everybody was saying, including myself, uh, you know, he's probably – the best backup, maybe Jamie Swinston, uh, probably the best backup in the league. He's got more starting experience than any other backup has. And then he came out, and the, the Cowboys have been bad all year, but their offense has never been the issue. And they scored 10 points, and it shouldn't have been that many. They scored a late touchdown. It didn't mean anything. So um, I, think, I think Jerry's going to, if he sees a couple more of these games, he's going to start to realize maybe we should just give Dak whatever he wants because I think Dak Prescott hid a lot of how bad the Cowboys actually are.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I didn't understand everybody all week saying, like, they're not going to miss a beat. You know, Andy Dalton's going to come in there and do this. Like, Andy Dalton might be one of the NFL's better backups, but he's a backup. There's 32 starting quarterback jobs. He does not have one of them. Dak still leads the NFL in passing yards after not playing this week through week six. It's clearly a huge difference. He's going to really get paid, and that's probably what he deserves. So it's honestly probably good that it happened like that. Also, last Cowboy on the tough scene, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith's probably their best defensive player. I mean, he's out there making tackles. But I get so tired of watching Jalen Smith tackle somebody that already got 17 yards. Like, they got 17 yards on second and 12, and he tackles them. He tackles them hard. He hits them hard. And then he gets up and, like, flexes and and throws up his area code from back home. And it's like, man, I don't think you get it. I don't think you understand that, like, a hit stick is worth nothing. You have to stop them from crossing the imaginary gold line. Tough scene for Jalen Smith. Yeah, very just tough episode for Cowboys overall for us. Yeah, they just took like five of five of the first tough scenes.
1: Yeah, so my next one, uh, it's it's been, a, it's been a long time. It's been a whole like 11 days, so people might not remember, but it's the last time. It happens since the last time we recorded. Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Norman for that stiff arm from Derrick Henry, an instant meme, instant classic meme, one of the nastiest stiff arms you'll ever see, and people got to stop trying to tackle Derrick Henry up high. Yeah, he was it's thrown just into never, Yeah, This is never going to go good.
0: Made for a lot of hilarious videos of him getting thrown into alternate universes, etc. My last one for the day. Tough scene for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has the Miami Dolphins in a situation where you actually tweeted after the game and you're like, man, I think the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. They were really easy bet being favored by eight and a half against the Jets. They put it on the Niners the week before in a really weird game. The Niners go out and beat the Rams on Sunday night. crushed my dreams. But the Dolphins were playing the best football I think that they've played since that playoff year where they lost to the Steelers if um, Fitz was really clicking with this offense. Miles Gaskin was looking like a solid, competent NFL running back that can catch and run. And Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, this team was looking pretty good. And they're switching to Tua. He made his debut against the Jets, two of two passing for 10 yards. is a great guy. Everybody's cheering for him. But still it's a tough scene for Ryan Fitzpatrick losing his job that way.
1: Yeah, I'm sad to see Ryan Fitzpatrick go. I guess they kind of had the decision from the start we're going to bring Tua in at the bye week, which it makes sense. They have two weeks to prepare for your Rams. Uh, I, I'm yeah. at the same at the same. Yeah. I don't know why people keep throwing their quarterbacks out against Aaron Donald. That seems like a horrible idea, but we'll see how it goes for Tua. I am excited to see Tua, even though I was loving Fitz magic and what the dolphins are doing down there. But I, I think they're kind they kind of realize even if we do win eight or nine games and sneak into the playoffs, like this is not our year. It's time to see what we have and Tua make sure he's healthy enough and, all that. So, I'm excited to see to it, but it was definitely weird timing minus that it's their bye week cuz Fitz was rolling and the Dolphins look like, I mean, a wild card contender honestly. Yeah, especially with the
0: added spot, but clearly they had planned for the bye week. It didn't matter of result because Fitz has been great. A lot of Cowboys fans begging for Fitz to come to Dallas and it's like, "Oh, well your season's over. I wouldn't worry about it." And then you remember that they're in the NFC East and if they win yeah. two games in a row, division champions all they have to do really is beat the eagles (laughs) and they'll probably win the division great point great point uh let's get into our nfl week seven picks real quick uh we got about eight minutes left i want to jump into it uh my first one i'm going to go against history against the grain i'm going to take the bills by 13 you can tease them you can bet them first half you can bet them against the spread you can throw the money line in every parlay you make the jets score 12 points in a game The Jets score 12 points a game. That would be last. They give up 30 a game. That's 29 out of 32. The Bills are the best in the NFL on third down, 56%. The Jets are, you guessed it, the worst in the NFL on third down, converting only 30% of their first downs. This line has been bet up. I'd strike now, like you said earlier, I think it's between 10 and 12. It's 13. I'm going to take it at the 13. I wouldn't take it if it gets to 14 and a half. That's weird. But, you know, if you'd never bet before, I'd go try it. Until they make the Jets <laughs> a 20-point underdog, there isn't a reason
1: not to bet against them. Yeah, so my first pick was also going to be the Bills. I'm going to keep fading them as long as Adam Gase is that head coach. So it's just everything you said as well. So for my second pick, uh, looks like we're going to go head-to-head here because you said you like the Titans earlier. I'm going to go with the Steelers minus two for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a revenge game for the Titans making the Steelers lose their bye week. Everybody was pissed off about that, so I, I feel like they're going to come out a little more angry than they otherwise would have, and uh, the Titans are really good, don't get me wrong. They they were my runner-up for most impressive team thus far, but they're they getting some, a couple of lucky wins, and people aren't really talking about it. They just, they, the Texans had them beat if they complete that two-point conversion that was wide open. Then they win the coin toss as well, so And they also had a game-winning field goal against the Broncos at the buzzer. They stopped a last-second drive from the Jaguars to only beat them by three. And they had a one-point comeback drive to defeat the Vikings, who are also horrible. So the Titans team is really good. Tannehill is not a fluke anymore. But I I just think the Steelers team is probably... I I honestly think they're the second-best team in the AFC behind the Chiefs. I think they're a little better at the Ravens at this point of the season. So I'm going to go with the Steelers to just win the game, basically, and uh, keep that season rolling. So... See how it goes head-to-head. Okay, yeah, very
0: fair. Titans, not an official pick for me, but I I am going to wager on the Titans on Sunday, so we will be going head-to-head there. Uh, My next one, I'm going to take the uh, Chargers, coming off the bye week, favored by eight at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I'm going to bet against the two worst teams in the NFL. The Jaguars kind of threw us all off their scent in week one by beating the Colts. Everybody thought they might be better than they were. They've lost every game since. The Chargers beat them 45-10 to last season. Something to look out for. I mean, they they know what's coming. But uh, the Jags are in the bottom six in every single defensive category. The Chargers are ninth in total yards. I will lay the eight with Justin Herbert and take the Chargers.
1: Yeah, I like that pick as well. I think the Chargers are probably the most obvious tease candidate of this week at just a minus two. Herbert's been playing so good, he could easily have a couple wins, and they've just been catching some unlucky breaks. that The Chargers have been catching what seems like the last 10 years. So maybe the ghost of Phillip Rivers is still in that locker room somewhere. But I like them to beat the Jaguars. They're a horrible team, and I think at this point they're in a tank-off with the Jets. But I don't know if they're going to catch the Jets because I don't I don't know if the Jets are going to win a game. So I like that pick as well. Uh, my last pick, I don't think you're going to like this one either. I'm going with the Browns minus three against the Bengals. I know everybody's off the Browns right now. They just looked horrible. The Bengals looked pretty good. But there's a saying in the NFL, you're never as bad as your last loss, and you're never as good as your last win. Uh, this Browns team strength is run the ball. The Bengals still can't really stop the run very much. I just think the Browns back bounce back and at least win the game. The Bengals got up 21-0, and it still never felt like they were going to win that game last week. So, uh, I am I mean, if the Bengals win, I guess the it's on in Cincy, but I'm going to go with the Browns here. Pre-Joe Burrow era, I would bet on this game every time,
0: and I would always take the Browns. And I, I'll never forget this year I woke up and bet on Johnny Manziel, like, plus one against the Bengals and they, they beat them 30 to three. And I know that doesn't have a ton to do with it, but this matchup gives me nightmares and the spread is really weird. I feel like it should still be the Browns by like five or six. The Bengals went up 21 to nothing and it was 24 to 21 at halftime. I know that it was a one possession game in that game, but I never felt like they had much of a chance. Joe Burrow just feels like he's going to get hit all the time now. And I yeah. think that scarred him. AJ Green, Uh, Those those are two guys that just hate each other. I don't feel great about the Bengals. They did cover this week, so, you know, good for them. But, yeah, no opinion from me on that game. My last bet is going to be the Lions plus three in Atlanta. That's a war. So I am going against all the teams that I think are just straight up the worst. I don't have any cool stats here to back this one up. They haven't played each other since 2017. The Lions, they've pretty much only lost to good teams. The Falcons have lost to everyone except Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins, he should be very thankful that the Jets exist. It's taken a lot of focus on what he's doing out there. But you hear the rumors today that the Falcons are possibly shopping, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. This is a team that's fourth in the NFL in total yards, the Falcons are, and is still totally giving up on the season. They had to win once, you know, just for the culture. They already did. I don't feel great about this one, but DeAndre Taylor Swift seems to be fitting in all too well with this Lions offense. Galladay is back. I'm with Detroit here.
1: Yeah, I have really no opinion on the on the spread because you literally have no idea what you're gonna get from either of these teams week to week. They both have a ton of talent on offense and not much on defense. So I'll probably just tease the overdown. This is sneakily might be the most fun game to watch of the day. I mean I know the Steelers and Titans play, that was probably number one, but because these teams aren't very good. But as far as points being scored, this is the highest total and bad defenses and good offenses. I I can't wait to watch this game. So probably just tease the overdown in on that one, but I have no opinion on the spread. Both of these teams you just have no idea what's going to happen, but the Falcons looked uh, rejuvenated without Dan Quinn. So Patricia's still hanging on somehow. So we'll see what what happens.
0: Yeah, it it should be an interesting
1: one. Uh, do, do you
0: have any more picks for me?
1: Uh, not really any official picks, but just for the Thursday night game, since we're doing this one on Tuesday. Carson Wentz is four and zero straight up and against the spread on Thursday nights. He's the only quarterback to ever do that with more than three Thursday night starts. So maybe fly Eagles fly, but they are missing everyone.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a bummer about him is that everybody's hurt. I know Miles Sanders isn't gonna play, and he's probably the best player on the team. It's kind of just the Eagles thing, though. You know, everybody's hurt, and at some point they got to be used to it as a team. Hey, if you guys are hurt, but we played the Steelers and the Ravens back to back weeks. We get to play the Giants. Hey, let's go.
1: Yeah, you like to think that the the Eagles can still find a way to win. Find a way to win. They've been playing a lot better, especially Carson Wentz the past two or three weeks. Looks like he's kind of out of that early season slump he had at this point I think the only thing holding them back is just they're just so injured and he's throwing to guys that you've really never heard of before this season started he's throwing to uh, m- more quarterbacks than he is wide receivers at this point so that Giants Redskins game was a war I don't really know what to expect out of the Giants I just know they're not a very good football team and I'll take Wentz over Daniel Jones yeah that's
0: uh, very fair Carson Wentz uh, league leader in picks not great uh Eagles I thought Kirk Cousins caught him didn't he and eh, maybe who knows Kirk Cousins basically Kirk Cousins had three I think and, and he uh, him. great move by the Eagles I said it at the time I'm going to reiterate it now Justin Jefferson is like the highest ranked rookie of any position on offense so far so great move taking Ragar we've seen a ton from him this year so just a really good pick overall all right it's bachelor time Lexi Browning's coming on Austin this was a pleasure talk to you soon let's see what Claire's got tonight let's see what you can do let's see it man I'll be right. tuned in oh yeah here we go DTYL. <laughs> Right, Lexi Browning, Bachelor Red Talk, welcome back. How are you? Thank you. A long time.
2: I know I'm very happy to be back. What an honor. Um, you know, I'm very happy to have the Bachelorette back too. I just really thrive off of like primetime television lately. That's like what's getting me through. What about you?
0: Uh, yeah, it's totally sports for me. Uh, this show is only making the uh, few hours every day where I'm off work and I get to enjoy them worse really really bad episode I thought
2: yeah I mean I thought it was like a lot like it was a wild ride we saw a lot go down and kind of one of my takeaways was that I feel like they're like rushing through Claire's season and so it's just a lot of the meat none of like just that filler content that they usually give us. And it's kind of nice. I feel like we've already been through a lot just in two episodes.
0: That makes sense. I was actually thinking quite the opposite. I, I was thinking that literally nothing happened in Claire's season at all, and she just picked Dale immediately, and then all this stuff is just, it's just fake because it's so stupid that it's so hard to believe that any of it is real. So as we get into the episode, we're just pretending like it's a normal season. Uh, They haven't mentioned Taysha at all since that brief preview where she uh, exits the limo. They do not show her in any previews Tuesday night at all. I just always think it's funny when they announce the group date and it's like they show a clear emotional moment of relief for each one of these guys. And they're all so excited just to be there. Then they do this weird Romeo and Juliet speech competition date. Really didn't like it, what'd you think?
2: Yeah, no, first of all, I think we can conclude that there's not going to be any traveling this season. All the dates are going to be done in-house in the resort. So they're just sort of setting up these like makeshift like sets. Like Claire was in this like weird like tower of a castle that was clearly like fake. I don't know. I don't know. But I did like the actual date of like everyone just come and tell me. Some deep stuff like Claire's definitely into that and it was pretty obvious that Dale stole the show man of man of the night honestly man of Claire's season as as we all know.
0: Yeah he's clearly gonna win I thought the whole thing was very idiotic that's gonna be recurring theme for me there was a lot of bad dates in this episode, but this one I thought was by far the worst. She expects these guys to get up there and give her this emotional speech. They literally don't know her at all. Very weird way to start a relationship. Some of these guys, I don't think have even said five sentences to her yet, and they're just expected to get up there and tell her that she's queen of the world and that they risked life and limb to come here and try to earn her love against 29 other competitors. It might get worse. I don't know. It's close. They do this weird touching date where they all embrace in like the very, very first stage of foreplay with all of their girlfriend while they all watch. Horrible to witness. And uh Zach, do you know who Zach is? I mean the names are tough, but there's this guy Zach. I think he had one line the whole show. But Claire tells like another guy that she likes the way he smells and Zach just absolutely lights up and he was like, you know, I just know she's a girl for me because I also care about the way that people smell you know, like, they changed the music and everything for it. Like, it was a big point to be made abysmal job by the producers. Uh, I think they should all be ashamed of themselves.
2: Yeah, no, I would agree. That was um, that was really awkward. Claire's voice cracked. She's like, he's like, is that the cure for quarantine? She's like, yeah. It was, like, just overall really awkward for everybody. But, I mean, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. I feel like that was um, – That was the least of our worries tonight, just sort of like foreshadowing to the future. And then also going off of what you said, I completely agree. That's sort of what I meant when I said that I feel like they're only giving us like the meat of Claire's season because like they have jumped right in. And I know that this is like a fast process, but like this is uncomfortable. Like they are like talk about the date with Jason which we'll get into later, like all of these dates, they are just going like right into like this. We don't know each other at all. We shouldn't be like discussing things at this level yet. Like, I don't know. And, and there's just things that I feel like we're missing. Like most of all the Dale stuff. Do you believe this narrative of like they just met and fell in love? Or do you think that there was some sort of like pre-gaming going on?
0: Well, we see in the preview that the other guys are conspiring that they were in contact before they got there. They're all talking about it. I have no idea. It could be because the other guys are all jealous because she's spending all of her time with Dale, which she clearly is going to do. Or it could be totally true. I mean, it's a little weird that Dale just stepped out of the limo and she was like, that's my husband. And the every other guy received no attention like that it, it's just odd i mean I've, I've only been watching the show for a few seasons but i've never seen a lead just jump into only one candidate i mean do you feel like anybody else has a chance like if you didn't see the previews would you feel like anybody else on the show has a chance
2: like really no we were 45 minutes into the episode before claire even acknowledged that there were other guys with her on this group date like it's insane and i I'm worried about her if it did just happen like this. And we've seen everything that's happened so far. Like if there isn't stuff missing from what really happened between her and Dale, then I'm worried for her.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's 39 years old. It just seems weird that she finally gets the opportunity to choose between 30 guys that are all going to battle each other to date her. And she's like, nope, I'm good. Day one, Dale. You know, former NFL wide receiver. What does Dale do? What does he do now? Like, I I formerly played basketball at sales. That wouldn't be how I described myself now. You know, I feel like that could be important.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I just think she doesn't know him at all. And I feel like being who she is, she should be a little bit more skeptical. I I don't think she should be, like, have her guard up or anything. But I do think that you do have to have a conversation with the person before you know that they're the one. I understand, like, intuition and... When you're mature, you know what you want, but like you don't even know what you have in front of you yet. So how do you know if you want it? I guess is my point. So we'll see. I mean, he did rise to the occasion multiple times throughout the episode. But up to this point where she's already like committed to him. I don't see how we got to that point with Dale. Like, I just feel like we went from point A to point C and Dale's like, I think it goes without saying that like, I'm here, I'm in it with you to the end. No, don't go without saying like, do say, do say Dale, like we, we want to hear it.
0: Yeah, we don't have time, I guess, for him to say, but from A to C, like you said, I, I think that she's probably making the right call. I mean, the rest of these guys on this season, I mean, they absolutely stink. They're terrible. The only other one I like is easy. And to be fair, like Dale, I feel like they're, I mean, they're making it seem like he separated himself, but like he kind of has. I mean, she clearly likes him more than the rest of them. And I don't know that it's that awful of a choice. And like you said, she she literally said they're going on this group date, and she's like, yeah, it's a group date, but I'm really glad I invited Dale because I'm just going to hang out with him the whole time. I'm just glad Dale's going. So they're on this group date and it's nighttime now. So it's, you know, it's a little time where they all can go steal her. And she kind of pauses. And I I didn't think she paused for that long, but I'm a guy. I clearly don't know what's going on. And Bennett jumps at the idea, you know, jumps by like four and a half seconds later. He's like, you know, I'll take you over here and talk to you. And, you know, like. They're clearly using Bennett as like a laughing stock. The poor guy was mean to him episode one. It's just a really tough night on episode two. They made fun of his room at the end. But she goes and talks to Bennett. She can't even get over what just transpired. And the guys are all distraught. They're showing him. They're crushed. Like they just missed a game-winning field goal when she gets on him for not getting up quick enough. But... Claire literally can't get over. She has to go back over there and talk to them like they're third graders and she is the meanest teacher that they have ever had. And then they all kind of just respond to her and it's immediately solved. Like, no, this was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I just cannot believe that it was a real scene that they showed on this show that she just had to go back and get in their face because they paused. They've all never been on the show before and they didn't know what to do right there. Like, it doesn't mean they hate her.
2: I will say at the time I did like cringe a little bit. I was like, oh no, like why didn't anyone step up? There was like a little beat before Bennett was like, yeah, I'd like to go take take you over and like have a chat. But I don't think that it was worthy of like the massive response that Claire had to that. Like she literally couldn't even carry on her conversation with Bennett and had to go out there and like low key throw a little fit. And then everybody was like, like, even when the guy started to be like, Oh, well, let me like speak on everyone's behalf. She was like, no, not good enough. I want to hear from everyone here why they didn't stand up individually. Yeah, and Riley
0: Riley was about to stick that dude for trying to speak on his behalf. And that's another thing they do in the preview. They make you feel like Riley's talking to Claire when he's like, there is no us, there is no we. You know, like that. I I watched that today when I watched for the second time. "These, These producers are disgusting, vile people. But yeah, I feel like she's trying too hard to be the Bachelorette. She's clearly been a part of a lot of these shows. I believe she got engaged on a prior show, maybe Winter Games, and they don't even show that. They don't even have time to show her getting engaged. So I, I really don't understand like why she felt like she had to do that, but I guess she's like, you know, this is my role. I'm going to act like it. These guys all want to be with me, and I didn't like what they did, but I felt totally disrespected as a viewer that the show put that in there. Uh, but they all end up getting their one on one time. And I just think she's an absolute actress. She's talking to who was it, Riley. And uh, she definitely doesn't know who boys to men is. Like, did you see her when he was like, yeah, I love boys to men? And she was like, mm, me, too. Like, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Claire Crawley is listening to a ton of Motown Philly. But I mean, Riley wants to fight everybody there. And he kind of tells her that and she just encourages it. It's like, yeah, I, yeah love, I think there I were like multiple
2: times, multiple times where I was like, Claire, I, I don't know what you're doing here. It seems like she sort of loves the assertiveness. And I sort of feel like that could be bad news if you're wanting things to run smoothly for a season of The Bachelorette.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. And this episode only got weirder. We go on this very, very odd Tiki Torch date with uh, this Jason guy who says this exercise that they're about to do is going to be the scariest thing that he's ever done in his life, which I thought was amazing. I mean, what could they possibly do that could be scarier than anything you've ever done? You're a 30 plus year old man. But anyway, they go through the list of mean things that they've been called in their lives. I'm I'm sorry. This is just so ridiculous. They write them on rocks and then they go on to smash the rocks. Jason thought it was really special. He couldn't believe that a higher power put him in that spot. And wh- what are you thinking? What are you thinking as this is going on?
2: I'm thinking that it would make more sense to me if she was feeling this crazy connection with Jason than with Dale. Because we've just seen so much more of their connection than we have with dale but anyways i also thought it was wildly inappropriate for a very first date and um also claire gives me a little bit of weird vibes how she gets really into like telling her story over and over again about like how she's like talking about everything she's been through and rose above which it is a great story however i just think she's feeling it just a little bit too hard for my liking. Um, And I also think that that Jason guy might have killed someone.
0: Yeah, um, he seems like a possible murderer. And to your point, she she loves her story. I mean, she's a big fan of it. That one guy, Later on in the episode, now we can go ahead and cross this off. We're going to talk about it now. Uh, one dude, the tall guy, that got pulled in a room with her, and he was like, yeah, you know, once I heard you were the Bachelorette, I signed up. You know, he's saying like the stock speech he prepared in his head so many times. Didn't prepare hard enough, though. I mean, I watch this episode twice. They're never going to put me on the show. This guy's never seen an episode of the show before. He couldn't tell Claire one thing about herself, and she straight up tossed him. Setting the tone. You know, for the other guys, as Easy said later, like she took that dude away to talk to him for five minutes and he's gone. We're never going to see him again. It could be any of us at any time. And it, it strikes this fear into them. And I mean, she she wants them to know her story. If they don't, then they're gone.
2: Yeah, that was kind of shocking. I was like, is it a crime for him to try to get to know you in person? But also on her behalf, couldn't he have ju- just said any? generic quality besides like you're pretty like you could have said anything you could have been like smart you're smart and like maybe you have nothing to back that up but i mean like it's way better than just having absolutely nothing up your sleeve whatsoever like you could have said brave you could have been like i don't know independent strong
0: any positive adjective i think would have worked he couldn't pull it out, though. You know, he froze at the moment. He was like, shit, I know nothing about this woman. And there you go. That'll do it for that dude. I will never know his name. Uh, last thing. Brandon, on
2: Jay- he was the hottest one in the cast. OK, continue.
0: Yeah, can't wait to see him next week. But this Jason guy, last thing on him, you know, he's acting like he's this psycho killer, like you said. And then she's like, well, what what's going on, Jason? And he's like, me and my brother, we have the same mind. And, you know, my parents, they've been married 35 years. But maybe they shouldn't have been. I was like, what? What are you talking about, dude? Explain yourself. You can't just say these ominous things in this weird voice and just expect it all to be cool. Former offensive lineman. so that's cool that he played football. But whatever, we'll move on to the other sporting highlight of the episode, the infamous dodgeball game that they've been showing us in the previews like crazy. Claire, as one of the horniest people to ever lead one of these shows, (laughs) has to make it strip dodgeball instead of regular dodgeball, which I think we could all see coming. And uh, yeah, I'll let you take it away from here. Uh, what'd you think of that?
2: Um, yeah, I can't act like it didn't cross my mind when I was watching the show that like there's a definite double standard. Oh, like, really? I, I really did think that. And because I think if it was all see... girls,
0: then everybody there would have been thrown in prison.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But at the same time, I do feel like giving all the blame to Claire isn't really fair because you know that that is all like producer area you know the the ones setting up the dates and all that so yes Claire went along with it but I don't think it was like her idea and it was all in good fun so you should probably chill out
0: yeah no that's fair uh but to to my point you know about what I said, Claire has also said like maybe 40 times throughout the season, how bad she's missed that physical touch over the last six months. And, you know, I'm not just taking my, my stance there that she's the horniest person to ever lead the show based on this one moment. You know, I'm basing it on everything that she said throughout the four hours that I've had with her. And that kind of just solidified it for me because they're about to play a ra- regular game of dodgeball. And, and then she's like, no strip dodgeball. And, you know Chris Harrison obviously had some lines prepared so I, I definitely agree that it was scripted but to the to the dodgeball game for just a second from an athletic standpoint, Claire didn't play in the dodgeball game. she played in a little warm up though and this is something that not a lot of people notice but me you know I pay really close attention to it I watch it twice I work really hard. I notice that she is either an extremely rare wonderful athlete or She's never played a sport of any kind in her life. And the reason I say that is because there's a shot of her throwing the dodgeball both right and left handed. So she's either just an ambidextrous beast or, you know, she got no idea which hand she even is and she's just testing it all out.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's something to keep an eye on for the future group dates. Yeah, yeah we'll Probably see. not going
0: to be a factor anymore, but I thought it was interesting. I like the Globo Gym thing that the uh, red team did where they were like, who, Claire, who? thought that was pretty cool the red team gets the victory they get to keep their pants on that's nice the blue team loses and they just you know they're already in like thongs out there playing dodgeball i can't believe it's making it easier for them to be like evasive and be able to dodge these balls that are coming at them but after they just uh you know they they let it all hang out and, and i'll tell you what it'd be nice if these guys you know show a little class i can't imagine that any kids are watching this show but that's it's not a great example. Second episode just out. Uh, whatever happened to holding the door, pulling out a chair? That's all I'm saying.
2: I completely agree with that. It was unnecessary. We could have just had a wholesome game of dodgeball. There was nothing wrong with that. No one was, no one was going to have a problem with that. But that's not, it's not what was on the schedule, and um, we could not get enough of like the ball ref- references. Like you got to have a man that knows how to handle his balls like that's so hilarious like give me all of those puns like as many as you can think of abc
0: yeah blake said the word balls real stat about seven times in this episode i was counting and that's that's about where i finished up so seven times of saying the word balls for blake we'll finish with him tonight but the losing team they all go hang out naked and kind of talk about their loss I just thought it was weird. Like, these just aren't natural actions. These guys, you know, they'd known each other for two weeks. Football season back in the day. You know, the guys take their showers. Everybody's not just hanging out naked after. You know, after the shower, you just get dressed. They all just go chill after this gruesome, vigorous, I'm sure it took a lot out of them, best of three dodgeball that these adult males played. And they all just go hang out in this room naked. What's going on?
2: Yeah, I I took issue with that for sure. And it seemed like they didn't even really want to do it. Like, they're all straddling, like, couch cushions and you could audibly hear one of the men be like do we have to sit next to them so it almost seemed like they were like okay just one more shot and then you guys can go put some clothes on but like maybe that's just me i i didn't like it just go ahead and like put some shorts on it's no big deal and i also have no idea what they actually have on is it like is it like covering anything or like what What is this?
0: No idea. To me, it was a black box uh, censored on TV. So, you know, I'm kind of good, honestly. Like, I I didn't have to see anything I didn't want to see. They did a good job of censoring, at least. Not a good job of creating this episode. The red team wins this game, though. And that means that the five people on the red team are going to get some alone time with Claire. You can make it four once Brandon gets tossed. But the blue team, they lose. And the thing about the blue team is they have Blake, the notorious rule breaker, who— Reached out to her during quarantine, and she just absolutely loved how he broke the rules. So Blaze going to take the wrong message and think this girl loves when I break the rules. I'm the bad guy of the house. I'm going to keep breaking the rules. Since my team lost, I'm going to go see her. So she goes and tries to steal her from this guy. Uh, I don't know his name. You know, Skinny, smaller guy. Uh, looked pretty nice. Do we know who he is? No. Okay, sounds good. Uh, but he gets uh, Claire stolen from him by Blake, and then he walks back and tells the rest of his boys, like, man, you're not going to believe what this guy just did, man. And I told him, like, didn't you lose? Like, he couldn't wait to tell his boys that one line that he dropped on Blake. And then he goes back over there with his whole crew to try to punk him out. It it works. It doesn't work. She sends the guys away, but then she sends Blake away. Hey, I appreciate this, but it's disrespectful to the other guys. Blake tries to kiss her. Uh, One of the best moments of the show. The only positive of last night is that Claire rejected Blake on ABC free cable television. Beautiful.
2: That was the biggest diss of all time. I shuddered.
0: Yeah, I was really excited about her doing that to Blake. But uh fast forward a little bit, she just goes ahead and gives Blake the rose. But you know, in reality, at this moment, I was like, you know, this is kind of lame. She get and, and Blake walks back in, he looks at the other guys, he's like, Oh, what's this on my shirt? He's like, just embracing the villain role but you can tell he's never had that role in his life you can tell he's a huge dork but um you know none of this really matters is what i was thinking right there and who cares who cares this blake guy got a rose like it's, it's it's claire and dale and then whatever they're doing now show's over
2: wow i didn't even think about that i actually got pretty wound up about the whole blake situation are you getting luke p vibes from blake
0: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, He kind of talks like Luke P. I think Luke P. is a way, way, way cooler guy than Blake. I don't even think it's anywhere close, but same kind of facial build, same kind of voice, but Luke P. just way cooler, way more down to earth. Everything about Luke P. is better than Blake. But uh, how about that one guy that uh, I couldn't tell you his name for the life of me, but uh, was complaining to Claire about how much he was bullied as a kid for being short. You know, during these crazy times, The trials and tribulations that are going on for our country and our people. I just have a lot of sympathy for this guy on The Bachelorette that uh, was bullied 15 years ago for being short.
2: Yeah, no, that's some really heavy stuff. I hope he's okay.
0: Yeah, Claire's like, tell me a little bit about yourself. What have you been through? You're not going to believe what these kids said to me when I was a freshman in high school, about how short I was. But, you know, (laughs) who's laughing now? I'm on The Bachelorette.
2: He has a tall heart and that's what counts.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess so. The episode ends with her just kind of blindfolding Dale and uh, them just kind of making out a little. You know, it's pretty frustrating. Just goes to black after that. Then they show you another preview where like half of it's going to be true. It's just a terrible episode.
2: I can't get over how, sh- how hard she dissed him just to turn around and be like, I'm so sorry I didn't kiss you last night. Here's the rose cutie. I didn't want you to have to stress one bit. Like, what is that turnaround? She had it right the first time. I was feeling so proud of her. And then she turned around and undid it all. She's like unleashing the Luke P out of Blake. Like, I feel like you already gave him so much reassurance that he can't go on one one group date and then leave without freaking out and being like, I'm behind now. All the other guys are there. I can't even think right now because all I'm thinking about is what those guys are doing Like, post-Dodgeball game. It's like, you need to chill out. Like, have a little bit of confidence in your all's, like, connection. I don't know. I just, I think that the insecurity is going to start showing here. And I can't believe that she was like, yeah, you know what? You break the rules, that's hot.
0: Yeah, like, like as if anything Blake could do would be hot. I don't understand it. but. You know, only two people got roses last night. If stats are correct, I think we had Riley get one. And then I think we had Blake get one. It's just so weird. You know, like, what is she doing? I mean, I know that a lot of these guys suck, but like, how could she give Blake a rose before the rest of those guys after he did that? I mean, they had such a terrible moment. It's frustrating stuff. But next week, we're going to get the house versus Dale, it looks like. And we get this quote. It's one I want to point out. One of the guys is like, how about the rest of us just walk out? I want to see what actually happens with that quote. Because I'm so tired of these fake quotes that they throw in there at the wrong times. Make me think something else is going on. How about the rest of us walk out? I want to see it.
2: I'm always a sucker for the previews. It always gets like my wheels turning. Like actually this whole time I've been thinking that she just closes the show and goes off with Dale. And now this has me wondering, are these boys going to walk out on her and all she has left is Dale? But then again, you know, you know, they're just trying to get one over on us. You yeah, know it.
0: that's what they've been doing the entire time. It's really messed up how I've watched the show because I keep like not paying attention to certain parts and expecting, you know, this to be the ending. And then it's it's like not even in the episode. It's just some fantasy they've presented to me where I don't even know if it's actually going to happen. But my mom let me know that this Dale drama where the show's going to end is going to happen when there's 15 people left.
2: I love that your mom is such an insider.
0: Yeah. She knows what's going on.
2: I also would like to put some money on Yosef um, being the one to call Blair the oldest bachelorette.
0: Yeah, I've been studying a lot. And uh, it looks like when you turn your brightness up, the right amount on your TV, on that shot where he does – where somebody calls her the oldest bachelorette and it's kind of dark, you can you can kind of tell that it's probably Yosef. So, Yeah. It's looking like it's going to be Yosef. And Yosef just looks like a controversial dude. He's like, you'd be crazy to think that all of us aren't here for you. It's like, eh, not really, man. A lot of people go on this show and, and don't really care.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's not doing so good. I I wouldn't put my bet on Yosef to go all the way at all yeah. because we already know that it's Dale. So
0: Yeah, and even if he's still around for Tasha, Yosef's got no shot. And, and some people are there to promote other things like, for example, that guy that proposed with the whoopee cushion ring in week one. I commented on the original post before the episode even started and tagged Shay and I was like, wow, a proposal interest, like we're going to see it all. And after the episode, the company, this is at moon ring on Instagram, responded to my comment and uh, was just like, yeah, you know, Check us out. So they sell these rings for $24.99. That dude's sole purpose on that show was to brand this inflatable whoopee cushion engagement ring. I've never seen anything like it. What a product to choose.
2: <laughs> that was really funny. That was my favorite entrance. Also, I heard you and Shay kind of bagging on um, Bennett. And my, my takeaway from that like credits – um scene of him is that he's just gonna play this up and we are going to adore him like he's going to be our new prince because he is gonna play this up and live so lavishly like i don't understand like the producers just gave him this dope suite
0: yeah it's total bullshit why would that make me like him more you know like I i did think it was funny how he was like running And the guys were like, look at Bennett. Look at Bennett run. He doesn't even sweat, man. Like, I I laughed at that. Yeah, but no, I don't think that Bennett is America's prince. You know, I wouldn't say that. I think it's very odd that they gave Bennett a way nicer room than the rest of the guys. Like, that one guy that comes in Bennett's room, he's like, man, my bathroom's a fifth of the size of this. That isn't fair, and that doesn't make any sense. And I'm on that guy's side.
2: Yeah. I could see him turning into a douche, but my I just I really have this gut feeling that he's gonna be a, a favorite. Like we're gonna love him and he's gonna be in paradise and Brandon is gonna be in paradise.
0: Uh yeah, we'll never see Brandon again. But Bennett's yeah, could maybe see him in paradise. They're clearly making him a part of the season, which I think is a good idea. He does have a very different personality than a lot of these guys. And I will say that he he just doesn't get enough camera time to like Make you hate him. I definitely hate Blake way more than I hate Bennett through two episodes. Episode one, you don't really know anything about anybody, and they're making you feel like this isn't even going to be a season. But, yeah, uh, Bennett is not last. And last for us, uh, the only award that we give out on the show, and that is Worst Person of the Night. Who do you think it was? Claire. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good pick. You know, I usually say Worst Contestant of the Night, but I feel like you have to throw Claire in there. Claire did just an awful job. And yeah, I'm going to go with the gentleman's draw between Claire and Blake. Just hate it. every single time that they were on my TV. Everything that everyone else did either, you know, made me laugh or was at least forgivable, but I'm going to hate Blake and Claire forever.
2: I would co-sign that. And I don't I don't want to hate Claire forever, but but yeah, Claire and definitely Blake bottom 2.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair. Do you have anything else on Bachelor at week 2?
2: Uh, no, not this time.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's good for me. That, uh, means I can go to sleep. So I will talk to you either week three or week four, depending on what's, uh, what Shay's plan is, but hope you enjoyed your new microphone. I hope you sound way better. this Yeah. Time.
2: Very cool. Very cool. I feel very professional. Yeah. Hope i sound professional too.
0: Yeah. It looks that way. And, uh, you know, it probably does I have a good feeling about it, but all right, Lexi, thank you. We will talk soon. Peace. TTYL.